0: Did I hear someone say, I need a coach for the PMP exam or project management? Hey, if that's you, go on down to pmanonymous.com. I'm accepting new students. Let's knock this exam out and let's get your career straight. See you there. Hello, my fellow project managers. Welcome to PMP exam, syllabus, and topics. This is going to be a very in-depth, but at the same time, rapid coverage of every single piece that you need to be aware of for your PMP exam. If you are aware of what this exam is, a three-hours, 50-minute test, you know that you've got to cover all your bases. So by the time we get done today you'll know what exactly that looks like. So we're going to start off by talking about the PMP exam content outline, which is the syllabus on which the exam is based. There are a lot of books out there about the PMP exam, but the one syllabus for the exam is known as the PMP exam content outline. Look for a link below. I'm going to put it below. At the same time, you can Google it and find it. It's a PDF document. It's free. And a lot of people bypass this very important document. I bypassed this. I didn't even know about it until I was done with my exam. But this has existed for quite a while. And back in the day, it used to be a paid-for document. Now it's free. So there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't take advantage of this treasure trove of information. So getting into the content outline, there are many aspects. There are the domains of people, process, and business. There are the tasks, and there are 35 tasks. And there are a boatload of enablers, so many enablers. So I'm going to break it down for you at the domain and task level You can go check out the enablers when you get a moment. I am also gonna be breaking this down by logic, how this could flow in the real world. So let's talk about the people domain. For your exam, you need to be aware of what it means to build a team, to define ground rules, to lead a team, to build a shared understanding with team members, to ensure team members and stakeholders have the training that they need for the project, to mentor relevant stakeholders, to empower team members and stakeholders. As a project manager, you definitely should be aware of what it means to manage conflict. Remember what the exam is called? Project Management Professional. Right? So, you need to be able to do a wide spectrum of things. Managing conflict, engaging and supporting virtual teams, Collaborating with stakeholders, addressing and removing impediments, obstacles, and blockers for the team, supporting team performance, promoting team performance through the application of EI. Being an all-round great servant leader is big. All of this wraps up into that servant leadership concept that you are there to serve, serve the customer, serve the organization, serve the team. Number eight, negotiate project agreements. Going on to the process domain, in logical order, starts with tasks 13, in my view. You need to determine appropriate project methodology, methods, and practices, establish the project governance structure, integrate project planning activities, plan and manage project phase closures or transitions, plan and manage scope, plan and manage schedule, plan and manage budget and resources plan and manage the quality of products or deliverables, assess and manage risks, right? It's sounding very project-ish, project management-ish, right? And that's because this stuff won't go away. I have to be honest with you. For this process domain, you're going to have to open a book that explains these facets of integration, scope, schedule, cost, quality, resources, communications, risk, procurement, and stakeholder. Otherwise, it could be hard to understand the language. To understand the language, you got to have opened a book that talks about these. You can see traces of what we call the 10 knowledge areas all throughout these domains. So even though some people think this goes away, it doesn't. You still need to know knowledge areas, the speak involved, the tools, the common ones, the techniques that are commonly used in industry. When I was getting ready for my exam, I had the pleasure of stumbling across a number of websites and I didn't really have enough time to get into them until I was certified and I began to look at websites like the Defense Acquisition University and my goodness, what a treasure trove of information that can be used on government projects, private projects, Whether you're in the world of aerospace or engineering or IT, there was so much stuff on DAU that I found useful. And this language is not just PMI language. A lot of folks think this language of knowledge areas is just PMI. No, it's not. So it's not going to go away. It's going to be around. Even in the 7th edition, it's going to be around. Okay. So you've got to understand the language of project management. The language of project management is budgets and costs and resources and leadership and management and stuff like that. It's not going away. Number 11, plan and manage procurement. Task 1, execute projects with the urgency required to deliver business value. 16, ensure knowledge transfer for project continuity. 15, manage project issues, manage project changes, manage project artifacts. You know, in the world of agile, we have certain artifacts peculiar to agile. In the world of predictive, we've got certain that are peculiar to us like the baselines those plans, subsidiary plans, they're very peculiar to us. The whole concept of configuration management very peculiar to us. But when we talk about project artifacts from an agile lens we're talking about things like the sprint backlog, the product backlog, the increment, other potential items such as burn up charts, burn down charts and so on. You got to be familiar with the language. Manage communication and last but not least in the process domain is engage stakeholders. In the business domain you need to be able to plan and manage project compliance, evaluate and deliver project benefits and value, evaluate and address the external business environment changes for impact on scope and support organizational change. This is one, one piece of the puzzle, just one piece of the puzzle. Moving on from the content outline, the next big piece of your exam is the Agile Practice Guide. You need to be aware of what is in this book. Highly, highly recommend it. If you have not read the Agile Practice Guide, do so. I believe it is going to help you enormously. What exactly is in here? Chapter one is an introduction. Chapter two is a specific introduction to the world of Agile, where we take a look at both types of work, definable work versus high uncertainty work. We talk about the Agile Manifesto, the concept of Lean and Kanban, understanding that Agile is a subset of Lean, if you will, Kanban is a subset of Lean. And understanding the concept of uncertainty, risk, and life cycle selection. And then we go into chapter 3, which is life cycle selection. How do you know when to use a predictive life cycle, an incremental life cycle? A, a plan-driven, which we call predictive, is wildly different from what we call adaptive or agile. And you've got to know all the differences. There's a number of pages that are very relevant here, page 18 and 19. There's a table that shows you the breakdown of different life cycles. There's a breakdown that shows you how many times you deliver in predictive, how many times you deliver in agile, that kind of thing. That table, pay close attention to it. And then all the images that show you the differences between predictive, incremental, iterative, and Agile or Adaptive, you've got to know those. So that is Chapter 3. Chapter 4 is about implementing Agile and creating an Agile environment. This is where we talk about the posture that you should have as an Agile servant leader, as a servant leader in any sphere or domain, the role of the project manager in the world of Agile. is a bit of an unknown, they say, but project management doesn't go away. We know that in the world of Agile, a lot of the responsibilities are dispersed to team members, but project management still does exist. And then we talk about the common things we do in the world of of Agile, and how the team should be made up of people with T-shaped skills, paint drip, broken comb, those are terms to be aware of, generalizing specialists, and how you have dedicated team members. And then in Chapter 5, we begin getting into the practices of Agile. So you've got the manifesto that has the principles and the values. Well, this is getting to the bare bones of the practices. Retrospectives, backlog preparation, backlog refinement, daily stand-ups, all those things you do in the world of Agile. There's also troubleshooting Agile project challenges. It's one that I would recommend reading. Taking us to Chapter 6, Organizational Considerations for Project Agility. Talk about organizational change management. Being comfortable with the concept of change management is really going to help you on your new exam. Organizational change management, drivers for change management, readiness for change, understanding how organizational culture can impact agile transformations and things like that multi-team coordination and dependencies, frameworks, considerations, Agile and the PMO, understanding that the Agile PMO is value-driven and invitation-oriented. We want to invite those who are keen and interested in the world of Agile. We don't want to make it a mandatory thing and put huge governance penalties around people. No, we want it to be easy, free, fluid for people who are really keen to come in. So that whole mindset, in the world of Agile is going to help you in the exam. Understanding that there's less uh, stressing of coercion, punishment, and things like that. Um, We don't roll like that in the world of Agile. We give the team the support they need. We trust them to get the job done. We let them go at it. In the world of traditional, there was a lot of heavy studying about things like Theory X, Theory Y, And that still has its place, but overall, in the world of Agile, we don't get bogged down by a lot of those principles and those ideas. We espouse the servant-leader concept more than any of the other organizational theories. So while those those organizational theories are there, and you should know them, like Maslow's, McGregor's, Herzberg's, Vroom, they're all good to know, know, because these all add to... Underscore the importance of servant leadership. So you should still know them and the relevance. For example, Theory X. You don't want to be a Theory X type mindset person, right? Theory Y is what you want to be. All right. And then we have a call to action. PMI say, uh, let them know how you found the book. If you got any contributions, uh, drop them a line. And uh, that's pretty much it. You know. So that is the agile practice guide, very important ingredient, like I said, for your exam. All right, now we're done talking about the Agile practice guide, I want to stress that you should strive to understand Scrum. Behind me, you see all of the different moving parts of Scrum. We have three roles, five ceremonies, and three artifacts. For your exam, definitely know these because Scrum is the most used agile framework out there. It's estimated that in the companies that say they're agile, about ninety percent of those use some form of Scrum or some elements of Scrum. And of course we do know that Scrum contains a lot of elements from other places, but it's crystallized into this unique framework. So know your 353, three, the three roles, Product Owner, Scrum and Team, the five ceremonies, Sprint Planning, Daily Scrum, the Sprint itself, Sprint Review and Sprint Retrospective, I know your three artifacts, Product Backlog, Sprint Backlog and a PSI, Potentially Shippable Increment, now known as Increment, The Increment. If you haven't watched any of my videos about Scrum, just search the channel and you'll be able to get more videos on Scrum in particular. The next big thing that I would say at least understand it for your exam (laughs) is the seventh edition. Of the PMBOK Guide. At a a minimum. Know what I'm going to show you on the screen. Right, This is the second publication. That we're talking about today. I should say the third reference. Because the main reference is the Conan outline. So when it comes to the 7th edition. It is a collection of many different bits and pieces. But there are a few things I have to tell you. There is a misconception that the 7th edition has a lot of Agile content and Scrum content. No, it doesn't. It has some references to Agile, but this only mentions Scrum very rarely. Okay, So to get a good understanding of Agile, it's not the 7th you need to be going to it's the Agile Practice Guide and courses, you know, such as the course we offer at agileprinciple.com. To get a very firm grasp of Scrum and Agile, go elsewhere. Now, one of the things I want to stress in the seventh edition is the 12 principles. Not cramming the principles, no, that's worthless. Don't cram them, but understand what they mean. Okay? From an agile perspective, from a hybrid perspective, from a predictive perspective, from a humanistic point of view. So let's go over them one by one. Stewardship. We talk about being a servant leader. Stewardship is part of being a servant leader. Be a diligent, respectful, and caring steward. Whatever is entrusted into your care, you better treat it nicely. Treat it respectfully. Resources, team members all that number two collaboration create a collaborative project team environment how do you do that first of all in the mindset and from the mindset you move on to actually creating that environment beyond just psychologically you go into the physical preparation remove the walls make it an open plan type of space make it a place that is collaboration friendly, whiteboards, markers, post-its, walls that people can stroll to and have a conversation and work and that kind of thing. Number three, stakeholders. Effectively engage your stakeholders. You're gonna to have to do that for a successful project. Four, focus on value. If it doesn't add value, throw it out. Five, systems recognize evaluate and respond to systems interaction so you got to think big think big picture think about the project how it fits in to the organization how it fits into the program how that program fits into the portfolio just having a big picture think view of how systems interact number six leadership demonstrate leadership behaviors in other words great interpersonal skills great emotional intelligence being mindful of people, empathy, servant leadership, again. Number seven, tailor. Tailor based on context. Don't use the entire kitchen sink. You've got to tailor what you're using on the project based on size, complexity, and other factors. Number eight, quality. Build quality into processes and deliverables. So don't rely on dumb luck. Actually have QA and QC. But also plan. Plan up front. Planning, quality management then actually doing your QA, right? quality assurance, checking the process, and improving the process, and then QC, checking the product. And if you find any defects, they've got to be fixed. But most importantly, we're thinking process first, build quality into the process, QA, and then deliverables, QC. Number nine, complexity. Navigate complexity. Many factors could contribute to complexity, you can have system behavior, you could have human behavior, you could have ambiguity itself. You've got to be able to navigate that complexity. Number 10, risk. Optimize risk responses. How do you do that? You do that by applying the seven different tasks that every good risk manager should be thinking about. I've got to plan, I've got to identify the risks, I've got to qualitatively and quantitatively analyze the risks, I've got to plan risk responses, and then I've got to use influence to... Get them implemented. It's not easy to implement a lot of risk responses without clout, without understanding leadership, without understanding that leadership is all about influence and being able to move the needle to get people to act, right? To inspire them. That's the hard part of risk. Number 11, adaptability. Embrace adaptability and resiliency. Be adaptable. Be able to morph one of my favorite superheroes is Rogue in X-Men. She can morph and change. <laughs> That's adaptability and resiliency. The ability to stick around, stay in power. Those firms that have been around for forever. We've got to think like that, be like that. So this is beyond just project. In my mind, this is all the way up to portfolio and organizational level. And number 12, change. Enable change to achieve the envisioned future state. Enable change. Be a change agent. That's really what this is saying, all right? And those are the 12 principles in the seventh edition. Highly recommend that everyone knows these. All right, now we're moving into another part of the seventh edition. At a very high level, I'm gonna talk about these stakeholders, uh, stakeholder performance domain, and other domains, right? So the very first one is called a stakeholder performance domain. And the summary is, think about your stakeholders. Identify them, prioritize them, monitor the engagement, understand them, engage them, and analyze them. Secondly is the team performance domain. The bottom line is the team is the heartbeat of whatever has been worked on. No team, no collaboration, forget it. You might as well just go home because the team is right there in the center. They're the people getting the work done. So as a project manager, you need to be thinking about project team management, Project team leadership, what is management? Administration of the team, systems, processes, procedures that surround the team. What is leadership? Key measure of leadership is influence. So how do you influence a team? Not how do you coerce the team, not how do you use carrot and sticks, but how do you lead the team? Second one is project team culture, understanding that you need to develop that culture. High-performing teams is the next one leadership skills, and tailoring leadership styles. Look at these as topics you need to know about. Third thing here is the development approach and lifecycle domain. Now this domain is all about the development cadence. You know you could be in the world of Agile and use either Kanban, which is flow-based, or you could use Scrum, which is iteration-based. And flow-based has a different approach to cadence than Scrum does. Scrum is two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, or four weeks, four weeks, or three weeks, three weeks, or one week or few days. Whatever it is, you stick to that cadence. Once you decide what the cadence is, you stick to it in the world of Scrum. In the world of Kanban, not so. So you need to understand how that tapers into the topic of life cycles and their relationships. Delivery cadence, development approaches, Considerations for selecting a development approach? Should we be hybridized? Should we be agile? Should we be predictive? Lifecycle and phase definitions. understanding that a project life cycle is all about the technical work being done and the phases that help you do that. Aligning delivery cadence, development approach, and life cycle. So as a PM, you need to know what kind of life cycle is it? Is it a software development life cycle? What are we building? How does that fit into the development approach? Because you do know, analysis, design, develop, test, implement, you could look at that from different lenses. You could look at that from a waterfall software development lens, and you could look at that from an agile type of lens, where you do everything within one sprint. You just do it in iterations, in sprints. right? So there are many things to think about when it comes to 2.3. 2.4 is a planning domain, and the summary is you've got to plan everything under the sun. right? You've got to think about the variables involved, you've got costs, you got schedule, you got procurement changes, metrics, alignment, physical resources. It's a no-brainer. All of these need planning. The next one is the project work performance domain. You've got to think about your project processes, balancing competing constraints, maintaining project team focus, project communications and engagement, managing physical resources, working with procurements, monitoring new work, and changes and learning throughout the project. The next one is the delivery performance domain. Again, these are thoughts. Don't get all hung up on trying to cram and memorize stuff in the seventh edition. That is not the point. The point is to be able to read, think, understand. All right, what is PMI trying to say here? So the delivery of value is a thought, it's a concept. You need to understand it. Deliverables, what are they? Deliverables are not the be-all, end-all. Deliverables are just the beginning, right? The be-all, end-all is the outcome. That's the big thing, the outcome. So you've got deliverables that could give benefits and ultimately value, and hopefully that will lead to the outcome we're looking for. And then the concept of quality when it comes to delivery, and what happens when your project results in sub-optimal outcomes. What are you going to do? Those are things to think about. All right, number seven, measurement performance domain establishing effective measures. How do you establish effective measures? By asking why. The five whys. Ask why five times. Why are you using that metric? What should we measure? Why do you want to use that metric? Is that a good metric? And understanding how to stay away from common errors. So we have troubleshooting performance. You want to make sure you stay away from useless metrics that have no value. For example, Number of defects found will receive an award. That's a bad metric to use for a reward because the team could very well create bogus defects so that they get the brownie points. That's a real story from a buddy Roy, my Agile co-trainer and buddy. So the final one here is uncertainty performance domain. The uncertainty performance domain, like I said, it's all about risk. When we talk about uncertainty, We've got to talk about ambiguity, complexity, volatility, talk about the topic of risk. All of these should be understood by you before your exam. And that, my friends, is the high level of the PEMBOK Guide 7th edition. Now, there's one more. I know a lot of folks think, oh, it's going away. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not going away. There it is. We're talking about the PEMBOK Guide 6th edition. All right, so we're going to talk about 6th edition really quick. The reason why the 6th edition is going to be around for a long time and is relevant and people will be looking for the prints. So don't put yours on the bonfire. Don't throw yours in the garbage because you very well may need it. The reason is this. Project management is a very wide subject. But no publication, in my mind, does such a great job of capturing the essence of project management as the PMBOK Guide 6th, 5th those editions going backwards, right? They did a really good job. Seventh edition is an expansion, but it doesn't do a good job in capturing the essence of project management, breaking it down into bare bones. So let's take a look at project management from the sixth edition perspective. This breaks down what you need to do across the different areas of knowledge. So the area of knowledge right there at the top, you can see that's project integration management. And this is the assembly of all the components on a project. So we got to develop a charter, develop a plan, and do all these things. You can open the book and read it. But integration is big. It's even talked about in the PMP exam content outline. And that should be a reminder to you to make sure you understand what it means to integrate planning. Okay? Let's move to the next one. The next one is scope. This is all about scoping out the project. We plan how we're going to do it, and then we begin to collect the requirements, define the scope, we create a work breakdown structure, and we have validate scope where the customer checks the deliverable, and we have control scope where you ensure that the scope being done is a scope that's needed. Anything else needs to be investigated and removed or vetted and validated before being allowed. Next, we have the project schedule management knowledge area. This is all about building the schedule and then managing the schedule. And as you can see, there are various items flashing at the back. And those are just words, buzzwords, phrases, things you need to be aware of. Then we have cost management, managing cost on the project. We talk about the topic of earned value. It's also in the seventh edition. So a lot of the stuff I'm showing you is not new. It exists, right? But it will be reborn in many an exam to come. It's not going to go away. It's not. The next one is quality. Quality is all about fitness for use, conformance to requirements and satisfying the customer. And for your exam, you've got to be aware of the three processes and understand how those should be managed and handled by a project manager and a team. Next we have resource management. Resource management is all about the human, equipment, material, supplies, and facility type of resources. And here we do everything from estimating our resources, acquiring our resources, developing the team, managing the team, and controlling resources. Communications, we plan what to communicate, we manage it, in other words, we actually communicate, and then we monitor our communications. Risk management, we have seven different things we do. We plan, we identify, we perform qualitative and quantitative risk analysis, we plan our risk responses, we implement risk responses, and we monitor risks. Next one is procurements. We plan procurement management, we conduct procurements, and we control procurements. In other words, we plan how to manage the procurement, then we award a contract, and then we manage the contract. And last but not least, we have stakeholder management. Stakeholder management, we identify our stakeholders, we plan how to keep our stakeholders engaged, we manage stakeholder engagement, and we monitor stakeholder engagement. So, those are the 10 knowledge areas. They are still relevant. You've got to understand the language, understand the think, understand the speak. All right? If you have not watched my video about the PEMBOK Guide mainline, why, where I tie everything up, all of these knowledge areas, process groups, all this stuff, I tie it up in a very succinct video. It's called the PMP exam or PMBOK Guide mainline. Just look for PMBOK Guide Mainline. Google it. You'll be able to see it or look for it on the channel. All right. I'm going to endeavor to put a link to all of these below so you can revisit the video and I'm going to do my best to put a link to all of this stuff I'm talking about. There's a lot of stuff I've shared with you today. So much stuff. But the PMBOK Guide Mainline, it wraps up those 49 processes. It condenses it into 20% of that into just about 11 and it shows you the interconnections. In my mind, that will be the icing on the cake. That will be the perfect end to all your PMBOK guides, sixth edition. Studying, spend 11 minutes, and it will put it all together for you, all right? If you've got any questions, you need help, you're looking for training, coaching, you want to expand and get to that next level, whether you are in the world of PMP exam prep or Agile certified practitioner prep, whatever you're doing, if you need help, Go on to praiseyon.com, check out the one-on-one coaching and mentoring options that we have, and look for our courses, on-demand courses that you can start working on right now towards your PMP exam certification, all right? You take care. It was a pleasure talking to you. It's a beast of an exam, but you can absolutely do it. Bye for now.